Hello and welcome to the Be Less Dumb podcast. It's basically me chatting to a bunch of coaches who are more intelligent than I am and work in different areas than I am used to. I'm just going to ask them a bunch of questions and try to become a little less dumb in the process. Hope you enjoy. Hey, welcome to today's podcast. In this episode, we're going to do things a little bit differently. So over the last, I don't know, 10 or so podcasts, we've talked to all you know, strength conditioning coaches, personal trainers, rehab specialists, stuff like that. We're going to take a little bit of a different approach today. We're going to talk to a sales guy and a guy I work with out here in Toronto. Um, it's always been my opinion that you can never hurt at getting better at sales. So just to introduce Jordan, anyone who knows us from Vive will know Jordan very well. Um, he has his bachelor's degree in marketing. He has a, a vast sales background. Like I just mentioned, he's a general manager here at Vive Fitness with, with me here. So Jordan, do you want to kind of tell us a little bit more about yourself and expand on what I've said? Yes, Danny, thank you so much for having me on the, uh, the Be Less Dumb podcast. And yeah, absolutely. My background, definitely sales. That's what I, I consider myself to specialize in. And I do have a marketing degree. I went to University of Guelph for marketing. And then I'm more so less self-taught through sales. So anything related to sales, I kind of just learned through experience and then doing my own research. But I've been in sales since I was like 13 years old. Back when it started, I was running my uncle's lobster shop. And uh, I think that was when I was 13. And it was just me and my brother kind of selling a bunch of lobster to a bunch of different people. And we were pretty young. Like, that was the first sales experience, a little bit rocky. And then it transitioned into, I guess, kind of more of a passion towards sales something that I picked up more and more, end up doing, you know, a bunch of like farmer's markets, end up getting into selling olive oil. Then that transitioned into the gym business because I kind of developed a passion for fitness as well. And that kind of led me to where I am today with just being in sales, not in the gym business, but more so sales in general is what I consider my uh, specialty there. Okay, perfect, mate. Thank you for that. So, as I said, it's a little bit different today from the usual listeners that we like it of with what we do on this podcast. But we're going to go over a few topics. So we're going to we're going to maybe pick four or five. We'll start by looking at you know the importance of maybe demonstrating value, some of the common objections people see, and then you know the importance of having expertise in in fields, personality, and some maybe something touched on open ended questions. So we're going to cover a, a vast range of topics. You only got to touch on on them briefly, but just kind of give some of your advice. What, what I will say is I'm going to try and relate this back to both. Obviously, me and you work within a personal training setup. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of take it from that standpoint. And I'm going to try my best to relay it back to what it might be within a strength conditioning setup. So in a personal training setup, you know, we're looking at trying to get people to buy training or, or you know, spend money on, on themselves to improve themselves through training. In And in, say, a strength conditioning setup, it's probably going to be more looking at the time period so you're talking to instead of talking to a prospect a client you're now talking to a head coach and you're trying to ask them i need instead of money from them i need some of their time within the training setup to perform what i need to perform so really what i want you to touch on for the start is maybe if you can just tell us a little bit about the importance of you know demonstrating value yeah absolutely so i think value i mean when i look at sales um, as a whole, I think sales is broken up into, and, and it has a foundation of a few different components. Value for sure is one of them. It's probably one of the most important when it comes to selling anything or in any business related coaching, whatever it is. And what value is, is it's basically the assigned, like the way someone assigns perceived worth of something. So in this case, let's say it's coaching, the perceived 
worth the perceived value of what it is, the benefits of working with a coach or the benefits of owning this specific product, the benefits of this vacuum cleaner, anything like that. It's assigned worth of something. And what's important to note is that the assigned worth is always subjective. So it's contextual. And what I think someone, what I think, if I think something's worth $100, someone else might think it's worth a million dollars. So everything is situational, situationally based when it comes to value. And that's why it's, this is a really important distinction. And that's why you have to modify how you speak to your, let's say prospects, for example, when you're selling something, because everyone has a different, let's say selling point where something in that, uh, that conversation, they're going to value a lot more than someone else would. And in order to get uh, a sale, in order for someone to actually do business with you as a coach or whether you're selling a product or a service, you have to build the value to a specific height in order for that prospect to customer to say, yes, let's do business. I'm ready to go. And the way it is perceived value, uh, it can be emotional, could be physical and then it's monetary as well. So that's how I see value and it's in three different forms. And what I mean by that is the emotional value is let's say, for example, let's relate it to personal training. So there, and there's different, you can combine those values as well to get a certain result. So the emotional benefits of working with the trainer could be psychological. You're feeling better. You're feeling, uh, you know, more energy that could more energy. And then you're seeing the physical benefits as well. So working with the trainer, you're not getting though that monetary benefit that that's associated with it. So you're not getting a return of your, let's say thousand dollar a month investment to work with you, Danny. I'm not getting any of them, that money back. The value that I'm getting is a, um, <clears throat> is a emotional or a uh, psychological uh, return and a physical return as well. So that's a little bit about value. Um, and I hope that answers the question there. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, and we'll probably touch on with, uh, with the kind of rest of the questions that we asked, how you would try to build that value when we're talking about expertise and stuff like that a little bit later. Um, so that, that, thank you, first of all, for demonstrating or, or describing the importance of value and the different types. Um, the next next topic I kind of want to talk about it is, is what everybody would, you know, at some point in their life have dealt with, which is objections. Um, so whether that be a very simple, no, I don't want to buy training or for a personal training setup or within, you know, I'll give you an example within a strength conditioning setup. High quality speed work takes quite a lot of time because you need time to recover in between reps. So it might look like they're not doing a whole lot, but it might take you 30, 40 minutes to perform a speed session. That's a lot of time to take out of a coach's schedule. So you're probably going to get a no the majority times that you ask for that. So now we're looking at that's an objection, right? To something that you want to sell, basically. Can you tell me a little bit about objections? Maybe touch on the first tendencies of people when they when they hear objections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so objections. I mean, to put it again, let's just go to the foundation of what an objection is. And there are smokescreen and different types of objections, but at its core, an objection is is literally when, and this is a perfect um, in order because it's literally when the perceived value of what you're selling is lower than the amount of money you're asking for or the amount of time you're asking for. It's just not worth making that time or that monetary investment because the value is just lower than the price. Now, objections are smoke smokescreen objections and different types of objections like 
probably if anyone's in sales and selling anything, they've heard, I've talked to my husband, I've got to think about it. Uh, now's not the right time. I don't have the money. Like all these objections, for the most part, there are situations where people genuinely don't have enough money or people genuinely do have to talk to their significant other. But at the most part, an objection at its root, at its core, is just lack of value uh, for the amount of money you're asking for. And that's where a lot of people ask for discounts and things like that. But when it comes to objections, and anyone who's in sales has at least one point or another experience when someone gives you an objection and you're, let's say, Danny, sitting with someone in, your, in a consultation room, you're asking for uh, to do business with them, uh, you're recommending a package, and they tell you, I have to think about it. I love it. I'm just going to think about it. If you're not experienced in sales, that immediate reaction, even if you are experienced, an immediate reaction is oftentimes you're going to get really nervous. Your heart's going to start beating really, really fast. Some people even sweat and you almost don't know what to say. And most people uh, resort to just saying, sure, yeah, go think about it because they genuinely don't have a a response for that. And that ends up leading to a no sale because 99% of the time or most cases – when someone's giving you objection after you built enough value is generally because you didn't build enough value. So they're politely just telling you that they're not interested by giving you what we call Danny, a smoke screen objection. So I have to talk to my husband when in reality, you're never going to hear from them again. They're just saying that politely instead of saying no. So that's basically what an objection is. And, and that, that fight or flight response that us, let's say salespeople go into when we hear any sort of objection and that kind of derails us from our, from, from really getting to the point where we're able to overcome it because we're so, we're, what, what happens in that fight or flight stage is stages that we're like ready for almost a fight, which is ridiculous. And what, what, what we do is we just don't have the brain power, the cognitive power at that point to come up with a good response. So we just come off as, not confident, we don't know what to say, and that ends up putting the, let's say, power in your prospect's shoes, or, um, and they just not, in, you know, they're walking out the door without a sale. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think anyone, it, it, even within any aspect of everyone's life, may it be sales or not, at some point you're going to have felt them feelings when you ask for something you don't get it, even from being a kid and asking for something from your parents and not getting it, right? How you react to it is is, is very very common and that fight or flight is, is very important to understand how to kind of get over that. So maybe the next thing you'll touch on is maybe some of the practical lines you'll use within them scenarios to kind of maybe, you know, like I say, not make, not make the wrong response to that. Yeah, I love that. I think that once you understand how you're feeling and how you're, the emotional responses to hearing an objection, the next thing is, what do I say? So the first thing is getting your emotions in check. It's super important having that level because a lot of salespeople, they don't even have that self-awareness to what's going on when they hear an objection. They feel nervous, sweaty. They don't know what to say. Okay, go think about it. Okay, talk to your husband. Please get back to me or whatever they do. And once you understand and have that self-awareness and your you know, confidence plays a role in it as well and you're able to say, okay, they have to talk to my husband or they have to talk to their, their wife, whatever it is, you take a deep breath and, and – Silence in sales is really, really helpful. So just taking one, there's nothing wrong with a few seconds of silence, getting your emotions in check when you hear an objection, 
a deep breath, and that's totally fine. And then you go on to say a few, you can say whatever you want in, in terms of um, overcoming it. But as long as you're saying something that, that really, really aligns with your prospect and that helps them and, and allows them to speak more on what they're, they're telling you. So I can give one, there's so many lines, but I think the most practical line that can be generalized across the board when it does come to objections is, let's say, Danny, for example, you tell me you have to think about it, right? So this is what I usually say when someone tells me they have to think about it. So Danny, you always want to agree with them first. So Danny, I appreciate you sharing that. Honestly, I love when people, they tell me they have to think about it because it means they're serious about actually making a decision. Now, Danny, usually when people tell me they have to think about it, it's generally for one of two reasons. The first reason being is that they're not interested and they're politely telling me no. And the second one is that they're interested or they have a lingering question or concern before really moving forward. So that statement right there kind of just brings things back to the value of your conversation because it's easy when someone tells you that they have to think about it or they have to talk to their husband or their wife. You don't know what to say other than, yeah, that makes sense. Just get back to me when you can. That often leads to a no sale. So having the confidence, the calmness, your emotions in check to really finding a little bit more about why they feel they have to talk to their husband or they have to talk to their wife or determining if this is the real objection that they actually have in doing and moving forward and doing business with you. A lot of people, and then there's another strategy about that, but a lot of people, again, will often tell you they have to talk to their husband when it's really no and they're just politely telling you no by saying that. They don't want to say no up front because of whatever reason. So Another thing that I do want to touch on when it is when it does come to when it comes to overcoming objections, let's say we'll go back to that one. Say, uh, I said I have to talk to my uh, my wife before I make this decision. In order to find out if it's a smokescreen objection, the last thing you want to do, number one, is go through and start overcoming that I have to talk to my wife objection, and you get stuck on once you overcome it. Oh, but it's also a little bit out of my price range. Everyone's probably experienced that, and that's not ideal. It makes you frustrated because you've just wasted a lot of time. So when someone tells you, I have to talk to my wife, uh, what I like to do as well is, is, is I, I like to do, I like to isolate that objection by saying, awesome, definitely, you definitely want to get your wife's approval on something like this. Let me ask you a question. If your wife were to say yes, would we be doing this today? And they're either going to tell you yes, or they're going to tell you no, it's also too expensive. But you want to have that at the front, at the forefront of what you're talking about, because the last thing you want to do again is battle that one objection or overcome that one objection and then have them tell you three more. And then you can go into that general line again. So let's go into that line one more time. It's when someone tells me they have to think about it, it's usually for one of two reasons. The first one is that they're politely telling me they're not interested or the second one is that they're interested, but they have a lingering question or concern before moving forward. Can I ask you, Danny, which one is it with you? And they're either going to tell you, I'm not interested. You've just saved yourself time and headache of following up. And, or two, they're going to tell you, yeah, this part of your business or this part of whatever you're offering, I'm a little bit unsure about. So maybe help me clarify that a little bit more. And now I'm ready to do business with you. But if you don't ask something along those lines to get more information out of them so you can help them come 
to a decision, then it oftentimes it, it ends up being, okay, yeah, talk to your wife and get back to me. And because you didn't help them clarify on an area of your business that, and, and your business that they were unsure about, it often leads to them never, you calling them, them not answering. And then that just fizzles out and nothing happens. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that all makes perfect sense, mate. Um, what, I, what I would say when it comes to like the importance of practical lines, when you are an SNC coach in a setup, you're already in that setup. And I talk to SNC coaches every single week, um, and they tell me that they don't get enough time with their athletes. They could be doing this, could be doing that, but they don't get enough time. And they go and they have the conversation with, with the head coach, and he says no, and that's it, end of. So going into that conversation with maybe taking the ice, understanding that maybe an objection might come, your response to the objection, whether it's just a smokescreen objection and then having some practical lines in place to try to overcome that objection is a really good idea for every shrimp coach, every salesperson, whatever, you know. So kind of, kind of furthering on from that process, we might talk a little bit now about, you know, the importance of certain areas like expertise and, and confidence and how they affect sales. Yeah, I love that. And just touching back on what you said on, about the, the hearing no and then moving forward, on average, most people say no four times before they're ready to say yes. Yeah. So if you guys get discouraged by the first, I have to think about it, then oftentimes you're leaving a lot of money on the table in terms of sales. But yeah, so the next, the next foundation, the next foundational aspects of sale, sales from what I believe is expertise and confidence. And the reason being is because we are conditioned to listen more to experts. Think about doctors. Think about dentists. So when your doctor tells you something, gives you a recommendation in terms of antibiotics or whatever it is, and talks to you in a technical way, you're not questioning if what, if what he's saying is valid. You're going, to the, you're going to get the prescription that he recommended. You're taking what they tell you with you know, full trust because of who they are. They're a doctor. We believe doctors because they have expertise. What they tell you is with full confidence. And they have that, they, that commanding authority that leads them to be overall more persuasive. So I say expertise equals authority equals persuasiveness. Now, doctors don't, it's not just doctors that have this. If you're in an industry, coaching, whatever it is, you can command that level of authority by becoming the industry expert in your field. And there are a few ways to go about doing this, but at its foundation is knowing and having like coming back to confidence as well of knowing that what you know is, you know, completely at full circle, everything about your industry, you know, the details of your business, everything about what you're talking about. And that develops the confidence in being able to help the people who are coming to you and who you're reaching out to because you know more than them. A lot of salespeople get stuck in this um, um, unconfident manner where they are speaking to their prospect as if they know as much as their prospect or their prospect knows as much as them and they're kind of going on the same level in terms of industry expertise when in reality, no, if you're the salesperson, you're the expert in your industry. So that's the first step is to know and have developed number one, self-confidence, confidence in yourself, your speaking abilities, your communication abilities that you do know and you have the expertise. And two is developing. So let's say you're selling personal training or whatever you're selling, a product. Know the features, know the benefits, know how your business or service 
generates and creates that long lasting, that positive impact on people's lives and how it changes their lives. Know the ins and outs in every detail of your business. And that's going to command that level of expertise within you. Now, to get to establish yourself as being credible to your prospects, that's something different as well. So you have to now, you know that you're the expert, you have the confidence. Now you have to exude that confidence and expertise outwards to who you're speaking with. So I want to go over an example about what a, uh, what's quite common from what I hear in sales is and people who don't command that level of expertise. So for example, again, let's, because of on coaching, let's go to personal training. You're going to say, let's say your prospect says, I haven't been able to lose belly fat and I've been trying really, really hard to do this. So a lot of salespeople kind of level with them and get down on their level to speak to them in a way that they understand. I personally believe this isn't the right way to command expertise. Um, this is the wrong way. I'm going to go over the wrong way and the right way. So what you don't want to do in that situation is say, is for the salesperson to respond with, yeah, I know. I think that's because you probably are eating too much for your body type. And maybe you aren't doing enough cardio here. Um, that, that statement doesn't command any level of expertise. What's wrong with it is you're not being technical, technical enough. And you're not speaking in complex ling uh, industry lingo. It's okay if your prospect doesn't understand you when you're making these statements that you're the expert. If they want to learn more about it, they're going to ask you clarifying questions, but they're going to see you as the expert. The last thing you want to do is speak to your prospect on their, let's say, uh, industry understanding level to so they can understand you. They're going to ask you questions when you speak to them in a complex way if they don't. But you don't want to do this through the whole conversation. What you want to do is only do it in 10 to 20 second statements when you're explaining something to them. This is how they see you as the expert. So for example, the right way to do it is uh, the salesperson to respond to that same question is, listen, that's extremely common when exercising. And that's because in order to lose an adequate amount of fat, you have to create a caloric deficit on a daily basis, you're tracking calories while applying the proper macronutrient breakdown. It just seems more technical into who you're speaking with. They might not understand what macronutrient breakdown is, but they're going to believe that you know what you're talking about if you say it confidently enough and it's actually you know, the, right, the right terms. And then they're, what they're going to do is they're going to say, okay, awesome. What does, macro break, what does macronutrient breakdown mean? Or they're just going to take your level of expertise and you're going to be able and they're going to see you as being the expert and more persuasive. So when they're they're debating on whether or not you're the right person to help them lose 20 pounds, they're going to trust you more in your credibility as the expert when you say when you have these 10 15 second statements explaining to them in industry lingo why that's happening. And then obviously you go back you don't want to speak to them comp like in, in complex terms so they don't understand you the whole conversation. But when it comes to having those commanding expertise statements, that's when you want to use complex terms that it doesn't matter if they understand you or not because they're going to ask you to clarify when they believe you're the expert. Hopefully that makes a little bit of sense there. No, that, that, that generally makes an awful lot of sense, mate. Um, and I'm thinking in my head, you know, we, we're talking once again from a personal trainer's standpoint. And I'll go back to the, the Steed stuff as well when, when it comes to a head coach, so the prospect changing from a client to a head coach. You know, you're talking, you're talking, you know more, right? You should know more. If you don't know more, maybe you're not the right person for that position. 
you know, in every com- every conversation you have with, with your head coach when it comes to strength and conditioning or with your client when it comes to personal training and achieving the goals, they ask you, if you go in, like you say, if they say, oh, we want the guys to get faster and you say, okay, let's get them faster. Or if you say, okay, well, in order to do that, this is what needs to happen and explain it to them. And this is the time they need to recover between sprints and a maximal velocity and different times. Then, like you said, 10 to 20 seconds at a time, you are then taking the authority as the expert. If you say, yeah, I can get them faster, they go, great, you know? And I think that correlates everywhere. So thank you for, thank you for touching on that. Um, I suppose the kind of next thing that I want you to kind of push on and ask for, or ask about, or even talk about, sorry, is, you know, open-ended questions and how important they can be. Yeah, I love that. And, and again, questions, extremely important. Honestly, this relates to everything in life, especially in sales. But for example, there's a reason why interviewers ask questions because it allows them to lead the conversation. Like when you're going into an interview, you aren't asking your interviewer questions. You're going for a high-end job interview. They're the one asking all the questions. Your doctor's asking you the questions. Your dentist is asking you the questions. And there's a reason why top-level salespeople do this is because that, again, it, it, what it does is it leads the conversation in the direction that you want it to go. Once, when your prospect or when who you're talking to start ask, starts asking you the majority of the questions, what happens is they're, they're now taking control of the direction of the conversation. And you want to basically take this back. But that's why questions are extremely important. And questions are actually much more powerful than using statements. So getting, let's say, your prospect who you're speaking to, to collaborate with you and put and have an involvement in your conversation through asking these directing questions that you're asking allows them to be more invested in let's say the solution to their problem or the conversation you're having with them. And that end result is going to be them being more inclined to work with you, to do business with you. This is why asking again, close-ended and open-ended questions, open-ended questions are the best are amazing because what it does is if you ask the right open-ended questions, it allows your prospect to gain new insights. And these are, if you ask good thought-provoking questions, they're going to gain new insights on their situation. And I think when we're talking to prospects, everyone's struggling with something. You know, you're struggling, you have a goal. If you have a goal, let's say, Danny, you're trying to get faster, you're struggling to get there if you're not able to get there. That's a struggle. We all have challenges that we're trying to solve in the form of goals. So my challenge is getting from here to point A, where I am now in terms of speed, to point B, in terms of getting faster, I need to know how to do that in the best, easiest, and fastest way possible, for example. Now, that's just one question, and that's my challenge situation, right? So what I'm trying to do in terms of asking questions is, is as a salesperson, is ask the, t- the right questions to have your prospect really think and, and really think and, and gain some sort of new, insightful perspective on their challenge and say, it's amazing when your prospect looks at you and says, hmm, I've never thought of it that way, or I've never thought of a solution that way. When you say that, you're asking the right open-ended questions. You want to always be asking questions. Never, as salespeople, we're often afraid to ask questions, hard questions, you know, questions even as simple as why. Like at, when your prospect tells you something, don't just take it at face value. You want to 
dive in and ask them as many questions as possible because this is how you're going to be able to help them. You want to take that diagnostic approach where if they tell you something and you don't, you don't want to make any, any assumptions about their situation, you want to gain clarity and you want to ask them, tell me more about that. Can you please elaborate a little more about what you meant about this? Or this is the best question that's so overlooked is, look, why do you feel that way? Why do you even want to go and do this? Why is this important to you? Why is this that questions that dig in questions that allow your prospect to verbalize and confirm to you and to themselves out loud why they want to do this. And this has, this is a multifaceted way of getting more commitment out of your prospects in the sense that they're going to be committing to what they're going to be when something's in your head, for example, and I'm thinking in my head, it doesn't have as strong as a holding effect is when I verbalize it to someone else. So if I were to public, and it's called the commitment consistency bias, but if I were to publicly state something to you because you asked me a question, I have a firmer belief that. So constantly getting your prospects to affirm on what you're saying by asking them questions, this is the only way to do it. You have to ask questions to get them to affirm where they want to be in terms of where it relates to you helping them out in your business. And if you're not doing that, they're maybe affirming it in their head, but they're not affirming it to you. They're going to go to someone else to, to do business with. That's just how it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, thank you, mate. Thank you so much for everything today. Thank you for coming on. Is there anything you would like to kind of touch um, on before we finish up? I think just going back full circle, a quick summary, because I tend to rant like crazy in my head and I try to limit it as much as possible and I go off on tangents. But to summarize sales, if you're selling something and sales does have a strong um, stereotype associated with it, that is quite negative. Um, if you're selling something, the only thing you're doing is you're providing valuable information about your industry that's going to help benefit people's lives. There's nothing to feel nervous about. There's nothing to feel anything about that way in a negative way because all you're doing is you're the expert. You are providing information to help people benefit their lives in a way that they would not have been able to do without hearing that information and, and in terms of working with you. And to do this, you have to find out, you have to build value value, perceived worth, you have to end up finding out by asking Danny questions. You have to ask them questions in order to find out enough about their situation, find out exactly what's most important to them in their areas in their life and where they're struggling and how you can change that. And that's building the value because they're going to put a price tag associated with that. And by building enough value, you're able to increase the, the um, amount of value to the point where Whatever price you're asking, if you're asking for $5,000 a month, the value that, that they perceive they're going to get by making that $5,000 investment, they're going to see a much greater either physical, uh, emotional, or monetary return on that. And that's going to want to cause them to get excited about doing business with you. Perfect, mate. Perfect. So just just to kind of touch on where, where people can yeah, find you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can find me. I have a, a sales podcast where I try to keep it um, simple, practical sales tips. And it's called Sales with Kale. So sales with my last name, K-A-L-E-S. And you can find me on Instagram as well. Same same name, Sales with Kales. I just released uh, release as uh, valuable information about sales, things that'll help you, little things, practical 
easy to apply um, uh, tools and and techniques that you can put towards your sales um, conversations the next day and start seeing some more success that way. Um, But yeah, you can find me there. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Love mate. Thank you so Thank much you for so coming much, on. I'll be in Thank touch, you. okay? Yeah. So just to kind of clarify and all of that, like as Jordan talks then on sales, it was a really important. It was a really good idea. I, I always go with the assumption, I might say this earlier, but you can never, it can never ever hurt to get better at sales um, in any aspect of anything. So it's all, I think we'll have Jordan on a few more times and we might go through some scenarios and stuff like that that trainers and coaches might see and really dive into them and try and give some solutions for people. Um, I hope people understand the importance of demonstrating value and now I hope they have some kind of practical application when they do get an objection and that was kind of really wanting him to come on and uh, talk about. So thanks to Jordan for that. Um, so next week we are going to have Kiri Langford. We are going to have a really interesting one on ultra short race based training and one of the first studies in the world done on it to kind of disclaim what they're saying about the physiological process. So stay tuned for that. And we're going to have Logan Baker who's going to come on and talk about some stuff. Logan is, um, I, you know, I actually thought Logan might come on and talk about weightlifting because he's an international weightlifter who's represented Team Canada at the World Championships. But we're going to, he's also a really, really good SC coach. So we'll see what we dive into with him. Thanks for listening.